0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome again to Front Range. We're so glad that you guys are with us this morning. My name is Johnny. I'm one of our teaching pastors. Happy to be with you guys, especially if you're new here at Front Range. Maybe today's your first day. Maybe you've been checking things out over the last couple of weeks. And we hope that as you're checking things out, that this will become a home for you, where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. We know many of you are joining us online today. Maybe those neighborhood roads were not as good. Uh, I want to say just a special thank you to our Dream Team and our staff and the facility staff here at the school for helping us dig things out so we can have church here this morning. Let's give it up. Yes. A lot of guys showing up at 6 a.m. this morning to make this possible. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Hey, I want to let you know about a couple of things that are going on. First of all, if you're here in person on your way in, you saw a bunch of tents in the courtyard. We're launching a new semester of community groups and classes. And this is one of our big opportunities to help you build community, part of our mission statement. So I want to encourage you, if you're not connected yet, if you're checking things out, you haven't made a friend, or maybe you've been in a community group and you just want to check out some of the options, we have some amazing folks who are stepping up to start new groups we have some existing groups out there. Just take a step this morning and check things out. And uh, maybe stop by some of the tents, see the options, have a conversation. Uh, if you're an introvert like me, maybe, maybe you don't want to stop and have a conversation. That's okay. There's uh, business cards on the seats here this morning. All of our groups and classes are listed online. So you can take that. You could check out the options later, message a leader, sign up there. We just my, my plea to you this morning is to not leave without at least seeing what the options are and seeing if there's something available for you to help make this place feel like home for you. We know that if you can make a friend, if you can create some relationships, that this place will become a home. So please check that out. Now, as we've already said, we are celebrating our 10-year anniversary this month, and next Sunday, we're throwing a party. That's when we're going to do this. We're going to have cupcakes, special stuff, T-shirts for everyone. If you guys have been seeing these all around, we're going to have one for all everybody that joins us. So please make sure you're here next Sunday to celebrate our 10-year anniversary with us. Now, as we get into the message, let's start with a fun question. What do you want to be known for when you die? You're supposed to laugh at that. It's, yeah, it's okay to laugh at that. That's a weird question. Think about it, though. Maybe it's because I listen to heavy metal. I think about death more than the average person, but like, there you go. Um, think about it, though. Like, what, what do you truly want to be known for when you're gone? Now, I've been involved in some funerals and helping people through the grieving process and, you know, being graveside uh, at, at a memorial service, all that. What I never hear someone talk about with a dead person is the business they had, the 401k, how much money, the number of employees, none of that stuff. What people talk about at a memorial service is how someone made them feel the legacy that they left, the character of that person that helped us know that they loved us, they were funny, all these things. We talk about who a person really was rather than what they did. Now, think about yourself. Again, I think it's an important question to think about. What do you want to be known for when you're gone? And then a follow-up question, what are you doing to become that kind of person? I believe that Every one of us, we want to live a life of impact. We want to live with purpose. We want to fulfill what God has for us. And I think that what we're talking about here today can set a foundation for the kind of life that God has for us and the life that we truly want to live deep in our souls. We're concluding a series on the book of Genesis, and we're going to end in chapter 12 here today. Now, if you know the book of Genesis, you know there's 50 chapters. But we wanted to land in chapter 12 for a very specific reason. Chapter 12 is sort of a hinge point in the biblical story so far. The first few chapters show us who God is, who He created us to be, and what went. Wrong. We've got several chapters of sin spreading throughout the earth and us seeing that humanity's messing this whole thing up. Last week, we talked about the Tower of Babel and what happens when we get together groups of people with wrong motives and wrong goals and what can happen as a result of that. If you've missed any part of this series, I want to encourage you to check out our series hub on our website, frontrange.org. There's a messages tab and there's a series hub for every series that we do where you can catch up on the messages, but you can also get resources to help you learn and grow and study. This is some of the stuff we've used as we've prepared these series so make sure that you check that out if you've missed anything or if you want to just go deeper but this chapter genesis 12 this sets the stage for literally the rest of the bible and what god plans to do to fix the brokenness in the world and the results of sin. And it's in this seemingly small little moment between God and a guy named Abram. It's a tiny little moment, but it sets the stage, like I said, for the rest of the Bible and what God is trying to do and how we can live the way that he's calling us to live and help be a part of his restoration project. If you've got a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can uh, stop by the blue tent out in the courtyard and just snatch one, or you can ask for one, but they're sitting there. You can just take them. Don't need anything from you. We just want you to have a Bible, and uh, we'll also have it on the screen here. So let's look at Genesis tra- chapter 12. It's going to seem a little bit out of the blue, but we'll dig into it here in a second. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. Can you imagine? God... Coming to you and saying, Hey, I'm gonna do some crazy stuff through you and your family. This is a wild moment. And until this moment, we know very little about this man named Abram. And uh, if you know the Bible, you know later God changes his name to Abraham. And so for the sake of my sanity, I'm just gonna call him Abraham today. Can we just be cool with that? All right, Abraham's who we're talking about. But he kind of comes out of nowhere. We don't know much about him. We just see that God plucks him out of obscurity and says, I am going to do something with you and your family. So the Bible kind of zooms in from the bigger picture, Tower of Babel, nations, all this kind of stuff. We zoom in on one guy and what God wants to do in him and through him. And this is where God truly begins this restoration project. God's plan is to rescue a rebellious humanity and the entire world. Through Abraham's family. Through this family, every nation on earth might one day be blessed by being reconnected to God and returning to his original calling for humanity to reflect him, to rule and reign on his behalf. And how Abraham responds to God sets a pattern and an example for us to follow and we see it being worked out through the rest of the Bible. This this concept, it helps us understand when we're studying scripture, when we're trying to figure out what God is doing, what his purpose for us is. We can look to what he said to Abraham, the, the point of this whole thing to be blessed and be a blessing. And that one day the entire world would be blessed through his family. We can look at that and go, oh, that's what I get to be a part of. Now the blessing for the whole world, that's Jesus. That's when through this family line, through the nation of Israel, God brings Jesus to earth. Through his life, death, and resurrection, we can be reconnected to God. We can have a relationship with him, and we get to see that this was the point all along. Everything we've talked about in our study of Genesis so far, it's been driving at why God created us, what sin did to mess it up. And now we get a picture of what redemption looks like, what it means to be a part of God's people and his family and what we get to be a part of. We can learn from Abraham this broad overview of who he is and what God was doing in his life. We can learn from him what the foundation looks like for a life with God and for fulfilling the purpose that he has for us. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become part of this calling. When we choose to follow Jesus in the way that he calls us to live, we are fulfilling God's purpose and we're spreading his glory throughout the earth. When we choose love over hate, mercy over vengeance, and grace over punishment, we testify to the goodness, the faithfulness, the love and grace of our God. When we wonder what our purpose is in life and why we were created, we can look to the biblical story and what God was trying to do through Abraham's family, through the nation of Israel, and ultimately in the church of Jesus. We can look to that and see, oh, I get to be a part of something. I get to do something with my life and help live this out. It doesn't matter where you come from, how much money you make, what you do for work, or what mistakes you've made. God has a plan to use you for his purpose, and being a part of that is very simple. I didn't say it's easy, but it is very simple. There are some basic principles that we can learn from the life of Abraham, and that's what we're going to look at today. What are are the foundational ingredients for this life with God thing and fulfilling the purpose that he has for us? The first thing is having faith in God, faith in God. This may seem basic, but it is the foundation for Everything. The most basic definition of faith is having a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. We see in Genesis 12:1 that God calls Abraham to leave everything he knew, the land, his relatives, his father's house, and to go somewhere he had never been. Now, for Abraham to actually do that, to obey that, he had to have some level of trust in the one calling him to do it. Otherwise, why would he even consider it? And so for us, we have to begin with a foundation of faith in who God is. This trust and this confidence, it's the starting point. For every one of us, but it's also not a box that you check and you kind of like yep conquered that and you move on from it. We kind of have a struggle with our faith in our lives, and so did Abraham. We see that God promises to give him a family, to make that family a great nation, and yet at this point, his wife Sarah was was unable to bear children. And so Abraham's probably wondering, like, what, what's going on here? And if you see in the story, he goes and has a child with another person. He creates uh, chaos and destruction. If you know the, the story of the nation of Israel, that, that, that chaos and that pain still exists to this day. And yet then later on, we see great faith in Abraham following God and doing what he's called him to do because he does have a son with his wife, Sarah. They give birth to Isaac. And then God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son. So Abraham goes and says, all right, I'm going to do this because God's calling me to do it. He has faith that God's going to figure something out, that God can raise the dead. And so he goes to sacrifice his son. God stops him and says, man, now I know that you trust me. Now I know that you have faith in me. So we we see this kind of up and down in the life of Abraham, and I'm thankful for that because my faith is not always perfect. And I can see that there is an example in the Bible of someone who sort of struggled through this and was working it out and trying to live this whole thing out. But I'm convinced that this idea of faith, of putting trust and confidence in God, is one of the most important things about our lives. I believe that every single day God presents us with a simple question. Will you trust me? And how we respond to that question with our faith, it affects everything about our lives. Every area of our lives, we get an opportunity to put our faith and our trust in God. Will we trust him in our career choices and the moving up the ladder or down the ladder or where we're actually working and what he's calling us to do? Will we trust him in that way? Will we trust him with our children and raise them to know about God and to trust him and then let their faith become their own at some point? Will we trust him with our finances and give to what he says to give to? Will we trust him in relationships that are strained or broken and choose mercy and grace when he calls for it? For those of us who are parents, we have an incredible opportunity with our kids when it comes to our faith and and sharing our faith. We can share the stories of how God has moved in our lives, the mistakes that we've made when we didn't fully trust him, the moments when he showed up in unexpected ways, and we can teach our children to build lives of faith and to trust in God because of how he's showed up in our lives. His past faithfulness to us can build a foundation of faith for generations to come. All of us, if we have influence over anyone, if we can share our story with someone, we have a role to play and we have a purpose. You can share your story of God's faithfulness in your own life and help change future generations. And here's how to know if you can do that. If you're still breathing, you can still share your story. If you're still alive here today, you can share the faithfulness of God with someone else and testify to his goodness. Like I said earlier, we are one week away from celebrating our 10-year anniversary as a church, and I get nostalgic for this time of year every year, especially now with it being 10 years, and just looking back on all that God has done and how he called a group of people to move across the country and come to a place where we had no families, no support systems, no jobs for most of us. My wife and I had just one year of marriage under our belts, and uh, just God calling us on this amazing adventure, and we chose to trust him to take steps, steps of obedience with him. And uh, to be honest with you, it was not always easy. There, there were times of like, God, what are you doing here? When are you going to show up? We've had challenges. Uh, we worried about money, where we were going to live, if this whole thing was going to work out or if we were going to have to go back home. Uh, and, you know, God showed up in those areas, and now all we worry about is why are lead pastors trying to grow a goatee? But... Um, <laughs> clapping for that, Ernest. <clears throat> we've, uh, we've had friendships grow and deepen. We've had friendships come to an end. We've had so many moments of God showing up uh, in crazy moments and blessing us at other moments where we've struggled to figure out what he's doing, when he's going to show up. But through it all, God has never let us down. He has always been faithful and good to us. And I think that that is where this whole faith thing starts. It's who we are putting our faith in, who is the person, what kind of God is he calling for us to trust him and to have faith in him. And I know this conversation is not easy for some of us, maybe because of your faith background, uh, some hurt you've experienced in church, life circumstances, maybe talking about trusting God is difficult. And I just want to say I'm sorry for what you've gone through that's made this difficult. Uh, I'm sorry for people who have maybe misrepresented God to you or the way that your church experience has been. And we hope, like we say every week, that this will become a home for you and when it becomes a home, that it would be a safe place for you to wrestle, to uh, work through your doubts and your faith and maybe rediscover who God truly is and how good he is. Psalm chapter nine, verse 10 says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. This reminds us that we're only able to trust someone when we come to truly know them. To know someone's name in this context is not just to literally know the the letters in their name. It's to know their character and their actions. We're told here that not only will God not forsake those who seek him, but that when we come to truly know him, we are able to trust him, to put our faith in him. This is the incredible opportunity that we have with our God, where we're invited to learn more about him through scripture and living this out in community. And we get to discover more and more of his goodness and his faithfulness through how he reveals himself to us. And I'm here to tell you today that you can trust the God of Abraham. We can look back on on all that he's done in the nation of Israel, in the church, in the New Testament, in our own lives, we can all share stories of how God has been good to us. We can put our faith and our trust in him. And if you can't think of any example of God being good to you, you can look to Jesus. We can look to God sending his son to die for us on the cross as an example of his faithfulness and his goodness. No matter what we go through in our lives, When we wonder what God's doing, why, when's he going to show up here, we can look to the cross as the ultimate example of his willingness to step into our mess and do something about it. If you're new to faith, if you're checking this out, if you're trying to rediscover what this all looks like, we're happy that you're here. We're here to help you. But the most important thing that you can do is to take a step of faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you are who you say you are. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus and put my faith and my trust in what he's done for me on the cross. This is the foundation for everything. Now, that's that's the, the first ingredient for helping fulfill God's purpose for our lives. The second thing is faithfulness to God. We have faith in God and faithfulness to God. Let's look back at Genesis chapter 12. There's something that happens right after God makes this this promise, this covenant with Abraham, and he calls him to do something. In verse 4, here's what it says. So Abram went as the Lord told him. Very simple. God says, hey, I'm going to do this stuff in your life. And so Abraham goes, all right. And then he goes, he actually takes steps of faithfulness to God. God told him to do something and he first had to have faith in the God who was calling him to do it and then he actually had to take some steps of obedience to be loyal and true to God. Why is this one of the ingredients to fulfilling God's purpose for our lives? Well, because faithfulness to God, obeying Him and following Him is absolutely essential to faith in Him. In Scripture, in the lives of the the heroes of the faith, faith and faithfulness are almost indistinguishable. If you were to ask a New Testament author, one of the early apostles, hey, what's the difference between these two things? They would go, man, they're, they're, they're right alongside one another. To have faith in God, to trust Him, to believe in Him, in who He says He is, naturally, automatically resulted in faithfulness to him and obedience to him, doing what he called them to do. Because if he is God, if he is the creator, if Jesus is the son of God, died on the cross, rose from the dead three days later, you kind of want to do what that guy says. You probably want to actually follow what he's calling us to do. And so that's, that's what this whole thing looks like. We have faith in who he is and what he says, and then we actually follow him and obey him. Think of it like this. Let's say... You get a virus or something, you get sick, you need to go to a doctor. My wife, a couple weeks ago, she had strep throat. We were pretty sure it was kind of going around, and she was too sick to go to the doctor, and so she took advantage of what we can do now, a telehealth appointment, right? She'd get on a phone call with a doctor. We believed it was a doctor. We hope it was a doctor. We thought it was a doctor. Faith, right? So she gets on a phone, and she's talking to this person, telling her the symptoms, all that kind of stuff, and this person that we trusted Uh, had some sort of knowledge, some sort of authority to diagnose, said, yeah, that that sounds like strep. That's probably strep. And so that doctor called in a prescription. Now, here's the thing. This is empty. I'm not going to be taking pills on stage. Don't worry. Um, We had to actually do something from there for it to matter, right? We could have stopped and said, oh, thank you, God, for this doctor who diagnosed us with strep throat. But that would not have actually made any difference in how she felt or shortening the sickness or any of that kind of stuff. Now, the doctor called in the prescription. We could have stopped there and said, thanks, God, for that prescription. We're glad that it's there. But no, I actually had to get in the car, go to the pharmacy, pick up the prescription, and then more than that, my wife had to take the pills, and she had to take it multiple times a day. You see where I'm going with this. It's not enough to just, oh, God, thank you so much for this thing that could help me. I'm glad that it exists. No, we actually have to take steps of faithfulness and trust and do something with it for it to make a difference. That's what it looks like in our faith. We have to actually obey what God is calling us to do, and I think this is where we short-circuit the work of God in our lives. We hear nice things about him, we say we believe in him, but we miss the point if we don't take steps of obedience to actually follow the way of life he's called us to. The Apostle John, he wrote in one of his letters, 1 John, about this subject and what it looks like to truly know God. Listen to how he says this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. When we put our faith and our trust in Him, and we say we follow Him, it really matters how we actually live that out. We take on a responsibility of learning the way of life He calls us to and to to follow through on that with what we learn in Scripture and in engaging in community to live that out together. Spending time in prayer, letting God change us from the inside out with the power of His Holy Spirit inside of us. But here's what I know about many of us. You may feel like you're sort of in a waiting room in your life. Maybe in some area of your life you've been asking God to do something, God to change something about you, to show up in a family member's life, a friend's life. You've been asking God to move. You've been trying to have faith in him and you're wondering where he is, what he's doing, when he's going to show up. Here's two things from the life of Abraham that I know that we can learn from. You can see this later in his life. But we see that God's promises are not always fulfilled when and how we think they should be. God works in His own way because of what He knows to be best for us. And sometimes we like to have our control over our lives and think, well, God, if you would just do this, this, and this in my way, and He just often doesn't work like that. That's one thing we can see in the life of Abraham. The second thing is we see that God is responsible for fulfilling His promises, and we can trust him. The testimony of scripture is that God is good and he is faithful and that we can trust him. Remember that the promises God made to Abraham were huge. I'm going to not only give you a family, which didn't seem possible at the time, I'm going to make your family into a great nation. I'm going to give them land and I'm going to bless the whole world through your family. Abraham never saw most of that come to pass. They had Isaac, yes. But it would be hundreds of years before his family would escape captivity in Egypt and become a nation and go to the land that God had called them to. It would be thousands of years before the birth of Jesus, which would then bring that blessing for the whole world. Abraham did not see any of this, and yet he trusted God. He had faith that this God was going to fulfill his promises and make it happen. My encouragement to you, if you're, if you're struggling in your faith, you feel like you don't know when God's gonna show up, what he's doing, my encouragement to you is just keep going. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Remember Psalm 9 that we read here, that those who know his name, we, we are able to trust in him and he has never forsaken those who seek him. Seeking him looks like knowledge. Yes, we learn more about him. In scripture and in prayer, but it also looks like actually obeying him. Keep going. Let people help you. Engage in community where people can support you, pray for you, maybe challenge you in an area when that's necessary, but do not give up. I believe that these two ingredients we've talked about here today, faith in God and faithfulness to God, They're the foundation for everything that God has for us. This is what we see from this point in scripture through to the end, that we can trust him and his goodness and that we need to obey him and follow the way of life he's called us to. Each one of us has an opportunity every single day of our lives, but especially right now in this moment to examine where we're at with God in these areas. Where is God calling me to greater trust in him? What is he calling me to do with my obedience to him? Let's pray and ask him to speak to us on that. God, we thank you so much just for this moment where we can come together and see how good you are and your faithfulness to a guy like Abraham and what you were calling him to do, how you were asking him to follow you and God, we can look back now in hindsight and see that you worked it all out, that you knew exactly what was going on and yet we know that Abraham struggled and he wondered and he didn't always get it right. And many of us, we may be in that place today, God. So I ask you to speak to us, Lord. Remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness. Let us sense just a a peace from you. If we're struggling, if we're wondering, if we're confused, if we're unsettled or anxious, God, Holy Spirit, bring peace to our hearts right now. Let us know that we can trust you still, that you are good and faithful. And I know there are many of us, maybe this is new, maybe you're here, you're checking things out. Maybe you're in a place of feeling powerless, feeling like you've been trying to do things on your own, you've been trying to figure out what your purpose is, what you were made for, what this is all about, and you've come to the end of yourself and you realized I just don't know. Or maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you've hurt people, hurt yourself. Maybe, you, maybe you're keenly aware this morning that you're not perfect. And that's okay because you don't have to be. I want to invite you this morning, if you're, if you're in that place, I want to invite you to put your trust in Jesus. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a death that he did not deserve and he rose three days later to prove that he can conquer sin and death, and that he will guarantee us eternal life, but also an abundant life here on earth. We don't have to live without peace and joy and fulfillment. We can live with purpose. We can be filled with his Holy Spirit and empowered to live for him. If that's you this morning, you want to take that step of faith and say, yep. I want to follow Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe you made that decision years ago and you want to come back home to God. He is so excited about that. And as everybody's heads bowed and eyes are closed, that's you. I want to give you that opportunity. I don't want to embarrass you or anything like that. I just want you to slip your hand up so I can say a prayer with you, a prayer in faith. Thank you. Thank you, God. God, we come before you and we just confess that, that we believe in Jesus. We believe that he died for us. And we put our faith and our trust in his sacrifice on the cross. God, fill us in this moment with your Holy Spirit so that we can live a life for you. Fill us with the peace and the hope that you promised us. And God, as we start this journey, we know that we're going to mess up. We know that we're going to have good moments and bad moments, but our salvation is secure because of what Jesus did for us. We trust you, Lord. Help us learn and grow and take steps of faith as we choose to follow you, God. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.